Hey, what's up, family? It's Coach Josh. I want to welcome you all to another live Q&A of yours. Truly hope you all are doing exceptionally well on this magnificent Monday. Hope you guys are uh, building momentum uh, for the week so that you won't be weakened by your week's end. Um, but for those joining me for the very first time, I want to say thank you all so much for joining me. I just want to let you know that um, I kind of honor a few watching this far and that uh, as you watch, and I pray that you get some value. And after you get in value from this video, I pray um, that you see fit to subscribe because I would love uh, to be a coach online. But for those who's been rocking with me, whether you've been a subscriber for many years or many moments, uh, I just want to say thank you all so much for trusting what God has entrusted to me. And I pray it continues to be treasured. But before uh, everyone gets in live, I want to make sure I give you guys some value. Give me one second. Before I get into live Q&A and all those joining me live, go ahead and type your questions in because I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get to you all. But of course, I want to add some value because I want to add some teaching uh, on the front end of these Q&As. But today I want to talk about or have us think about, are we in the will of God? Or let me make it more personal to you. Are you in the will of God? It is very important that we process and we begin to digest the idea to see if we're in the will of God. Of God. Now, I got a couple of scriptures that I want to go over quick. I have a lot of notes. I may do a part two of this, but as I was doing studies and, and, and diving deeper into this, it was so many gems that I want to give you all. And I pray it as value uh, because in order for us to do the work of God, we must know the will of God. In order for us to know the will of God, we got to be willing to go the ways of God, right? But there's two scriptures I want to talk about, mainly going to digest one of them and dig deep exegetically into one of them. And, and we'll get in some points to help us really understand this concept. But 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says this, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. So that, that little verse has so many layers and we're going to break it down. But the second scripture that we may supplement with this text is Romans 12, 2, which says, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. One thing I love, love about scriptures <clears throat> is the practicalities of it. You want to say, are the practicalities of it, are the patterns in it, and the processes that it invites us into. And that second verse, Romans 12, 2, it, it gives us a command. It says, do not be conformed to this world. Oftentimes, the reason why we're out of form and we're not in a process of being transformed is because we're being conformed to an impure image, right? It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of mind. This text us know that in order for us to be truly transformed, into the image of God, it boils down to the images of our mind. In order for us to bear the image of God outside of us, we have to bear the image of God in our mind, meaning that we think and operate as so he would if he was in our world today. That by testing, that one thing that's a good character of a believer is a believer that tests. So that as you're testing that person, whether or not that's your spouse, whether you testing to see if that's your house, whether you testing to see what it is that's trying to come into your life, that you may be equipped and able to discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. I'll, I'll labor on that text <clears throat> another time, another video. But 1 Thessalonians 4.3 is the one that I want to labor on. It says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Now, let's break down some terminology so that we can better understand what is God's will and what does it mean to be in the sanctification process. The, the will of God, the term God's will, 
refers to the desires, plans, and intentions of God for his creation and for individuals. It encompasses his divine purpose and the specific directions he has for each person. That's powerful. That means not, not only do we have a divine purpose, a divine destiny, but we have divine directions. That a believer that's willing to be a true disciple of God is one that's willing to delegate their lives in such a degree that it follows the directives of the Most High, right? It says his divine purposes and the specific directions he has for each person's life. God has detailed directions for each and every one of our lives. That means that in our free will, we have the opportunity to align to his divine will so that we can see things happen in our lives. It says God's will reflects his wisdom, love, and sovereignty. That means his will can be trusted. So whatever God's will is for our lives, we can trust that it's going to be full of wisdom, full of love, and sovereignty. One thing I love about those three words, those are very important words, meaning that in order for me um, to walk in wisdom, I got to be in his will. In order for me to garner and gain wisdom, I have to be in his will. Also, there's love. That means there's no fear. Because the perfect love of God has cast out all fear and their sovereignty, meaning that God is in sovereign control, right? So once we understand that, then that should build and boost some desire in us to be in his will, right? Now, there's two wills that we have to understand when it comes to God's will. There's God's general will and God's specific will. Let's break down general will. The general will of God, this says that this refers to God's revealed desires and principles for all people as found in the Bible. It includes commands and teachings that are applicable to all believers, such as loving one another, seeking justice, and living a life of holiness. The provides guidance and principles for how we should live as his followers, very layered there. But what this entails in us is that, that, that his general is clearly evident and visible and readable in his word. That if we adhere to what the word of God says, then we can have sense. Have you seen how many worldly people, secular people, people don't follow God, adhere to biblical principles and still succeed? What more could the believer achieve if the believer adhere to the principles of God's word, right? And for guidance, it, it, basic instructions before leaving earth is a, a common acronym for the word Bible. Now, let's get to God's specific will. This is where we want to get to. But in order for us to get to God's specific will, we have to adhere to his general will. Now, let's break down this definition. The specific will of God, this refers to God's individual plans and purposes for each person's life. I love that, each person. That God, did. nobody was born into this world without a purpose. That nobody was born into this world without a will. Every single person has a document in heaven, probably 50 foot tall, full of everything that God intended for that person. The one thing I do not want to do is to die only having five pages fulfilled in my life. If there's 5,000 pages of, of directives and opportunities and principles and outcomes that he already previously intended for me, I don't want to get to heaven and God say, you only got a page and a half of 5,000 pages that was intended. 
do you know that every car comes with a manual? Do we ever read the manual? But the manual has everything from how to use the lights, how to how to change the tire, uh, where all these different gadgets and buttons are. It tells you what every button does. It tells you what every gadget does. It tells you everything about your car that you have for your car. How many of us have driven a car, didn't know that we had certain uh, 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 um gadgets or things in our car that will actually aid the driving experience but how many of us are like our cars that we don't check the manual to see what every aspect of our lives were meant to be and then you've driven this car 25 years 35 years 40 years and haven't even scratched the surface of all the the gadgets all the uh, uh opportunities the car and the individual can do it may involve specific tasks callings or decisions that God has uniquely, I love that, designed for individuals, that God is so in the details that he has everything uh, uh, lined up based upon how, for me, I know for a fact God has already in a book somewhere, all the books I was supposed to write, all the conversations I was meant to have, all the uh, events I was supposed to speak at, all the places I was supposed to do in my film. He has it all listed out. And it's up to me in my free will to see what God has for his general and specific will for me, because I don't want to live a, such a life where I've only scratched 2% of God's specific will for me, and neither should you. How many people listen to me right now truly desire to be in God's will? Put in the chat right now, I desire. Put in the chat right now, say, I desire. I desire to be in God's will. Now, what must expire for that desire to be uh, 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 noticeable? Those are some things we got to think about. What in my life is keeping me from living specifically in accordance of the divine order of my life? I desire. Thank you, Michelle. I desire. We desire. Right? Now let's keep going. The specific will of God is often discerned through prayer. So that means the reason why we don't really find ourselves in the will of God is because we do not want to do certain things. We don't want to pray. We don't want to seek. We don't want to uh, get guidance from the Holy Spirit. We don't want to seek wise counsel. We don't want to align our desires and decisions. We got Michelle saying, I desire. Rosella says, I desire. I am valid says, I'm desired. Jojo says, I desire to be in God's will. Estella, all of y'all saying, I desire. So that means we got to pray. That means we got to seek guidance from the Holy Spirit. That means we got to seek wise counsel. That means we have to align our desires uh, Valencia says, I desire as well, uh, uh, in accordance to the uh, the will of God or the biblical principles. Now, it is important to note that God's will is not always revealed in explicit details for every aspect of our lives. We have to understand that, that God is not just going to write on the wall. God is not just going to uh, allow to fall from a tree, um, something to let you know what you should do, right? It says here that God allows us to exercise our free will and make choices within the boundaries of his general will and principle. Meaning that God gives us his Bible, his basis instructions before leaving earth. Ray says, I desire. Jody says, I desire. Like He gives us these boundaries for us to be able to exercise our free will. God doesn't want us to be confined. God doesn't want us to be robots, but he does want our free will to be submitted to his general will so that if when our free will is submitted to his general will, then we can actually uh, 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 adhere and have and enjoy his specific will. But we have to have something that we submit to first, right? It is important to note that God's will, let me get the fan on, coach getting a little warm. 
Let me get my fan on. <laughs> I feel my help coming. I feel the preaching. The preaching me. Uh, God allows us to exercise our free will. That means we have to not exercise our free will in gems that is not in him. Like we got to exercise in him. It's in him that we live, move, and have our being, right? We have to exercise our free will through the fundamentals that are evident in God's word, right? God allows us to exercise our free will and make choices within the boundaries of a general will and principles. However, as we seek to align ourselves with God's desires and submit to his leading, he guides us and directs us along the path he has set for us. So God has a space, like like, like God says, just stay in the parking lot. They don't, so God said you could park anywhere in this parking lot. He told Adam and Eve, you can eat from any tree but this one. Like God doesn't mind if you roam, but to make sure that you're still at home, right? Let's keep going for time. So I'm going 12 minutes already. I only want to go 20 minutes so I can at least get 15 minutes to answer questions. Uh, let's keep going. Now, sanctification. We're talking about right now for those joining us and share this video. Like, Share it, because all of us should be in God's will. Every believer listening to the sound of my voice should desire to be in God's will. Now, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 says, for this is the will of God. This is the will of God, your sanctification. Now, let's keep going. Now, let's define sanctification. I might have to do a part two. Sanctification is a theological term that refers to the process. Salvation is the, uh, 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 is the first part of salvation is justification. After justification, after me being justified as God's son and being adopted as God's son, now I begin and enter the sanctification process. Based upon my cooperation within the sanctification process, we determine how much of my life aligns with the life of Christ, right? Let's keep going. Now, sanctification is a theological term that refers to the process of becoming holy. There go that word again. A lot of people don't like to talk about it no more. They don't preach about holiness no more. Holy or set apart for God's purpose. So in order for me to, uh, um, to, to fully live a life of holiness, I have to accept his holiness. Only when I realize how holy it is, it should, how holy he is, it should inspire me to be holy. Holiness doesn't mean perfection. Holiness means wholeness. Holiness means I'm set apart and I can only be used by God. How many of us are jumping from different toolboxes? We're in Satan's toolbox on Monday. We're in God's toolbox on Tuesday. God is looking for you in his toolbox, but you in the devil. You see what I'm saying? How many of us have been there, right? It involves the transformation of a believer's, here we go, character, thoughts, attitudes and actions to align with God's standard and to reflect his righteousness. Ultimately, our ultimate objective should be to reflect his righteousness. When I reflect as a man, the righteousness of God as a man, as a husband, as a father, it causes an effect in someone's life. I remember one time I was in school I was teaching econ and one student came up to me right after my lesson. I was talking about um, the importance of, 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 of generational wealth and how a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And the Sunday prior to that class, it was the, the Sunday where my wife and I and uh, dedicated our daughter to the Lord. Right. Um, and then after that, he came to me after class. He says, Mr. Ezzy, I want that. I said, what you, I look, what you pointing at? He said, I want that. I said, he said, I want to be a man like you. That should that drove me to deeper depths of righteousness. 
that drove me into deeper depths of realizing, hey, coach, people are watching. And we are reflecting something. And, and if our goal is to reflect the character, the thoughts, the, the attributes of God, then that means we will be cooperative in the sanctification process. Sanctification is a theological term that refers to the process, a process. That meaning it's a, it's a process. Can I get amen? It's a process. The goal is to be better than I was a year ago, be better than I was a month ago, but it's a process. But the process is based upon uh, the success of a process is based upon how much I allowed myself to be immersed. We'll keep going. And we'll, we'll, I'm going a little ahead of myself. It involves the transformation of a believer's character, thoughts, attitudes, and actions to align. Most of us, we want God to assign, but we first have to allow God to align. That's powerful. We always, as believers, ten, uh, tend to ask God to align, align me with the husband, align me with the wife, align me with more money or assign me more money, assign me a woman, assign me a man, assign, 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 asking God for a sign to assign, but we're not aligned. We won't be able to fully fulfill the assignment until we first have alignments. What areas in your life needs to be aligned before God can assign. And we ask for a sign or we ask God to assign, but we never ask God to align. All right? So I'm going to think about it. We all got to think about it, including me. Uh, it involves the transformation of a believer's character. We already said it. Now, sanctification involves both a positional aspect. Here we get very theological. I had to write this out. So you're going to stand. And a progressive aspect. So sanctification is not only positional it is progressive. Positionally, believers are declared holy and set apart for God's purposes when they are united with Christ. That's the initial part of salvation. This positional sanctification happens instantaneously at the moment of salvation. And it's based, here it is, here's the base. It is based on the righteousness of Christ imputed to the believer, meaning that my holiness who I am to God, a child of God, has no merit in mine, has no merit of mine, meaning that I am solely who I am by the grace of God. I am who I am because of the imputed righteousness of Jesus, meaning the transfer. That means that when, when Jesus was on the cross, my sins was on him. When I came into salvation, his righteousness was placed on me. Therefore, I am legally in right standing, but am I living in according to the legalities of my right standing? That's the two difference. Legally, I'm righteous before God. Legally, I'm, I'm righteous because of what Jesus did, but that righteousness should inspire a living that matches with the legalities, right? This positional sanctification happens instantaneously at the moment of salvation, and it's based on the righteousness of Christ imputed to the believer. Progressive sanctification, on the other hand, is the ongoing process by which believers are transformed to become more like Christ in their thoughts, in their attitudes, and in their actions. That means that positionally, my position in Christ should inspire a progressive, uh, uh, and I want to use the word progressive, it has a little taint, little tinge to it in some circles, but it, it leads me to progress. See, the, see, because of the perfection of Christ, because of the perfect life of Christ, I can progress in life. But God's not expecting 
perfection out of us. He's expecting progression out of us, right? That's why the Bible calls it the helmet of salvation. Like salvation should be constantly being the mechanism that renews our mind, being cognizant that we forever and will forever need the gospel to us. I have to reread the gospel to me bi-weekly, weekly, sometimes hourly to let me know, hey, Josh, you need the gospel spoken over you, that you in your own merit can't save yourself, that you need a savior, that Josh, that you as a husband, reread the gospel to yourself, Josh, as a husband, reread the gospel as a father so that you can be able to go father and do things as a father and not be a bother, right? But, but, but it says here, Progressive situation on the hand, progressive sanctification on the hand is the ongoing process by which believers are transformed supernaturally to become more like Christ. Think about that. Look back a year ago. Are you more like Christ today than you ever have been before? Have you was you more like Christ a year ago than you are now? It is based upon your cooperation. We'll get there in a minute. And I'm gonna have to do a part two. Uh it involves the work of the Holy Spirit in believers' lives, conforming them to the image or transforming them to the image of Christ and empowering. Do you know the best image to have is the image of Christ? That the image of Christ as a husband, the image of Christ as a wife, the image of Christ as a teen, the image of Christ as a as anything in between. Like for that image is the best image. That's why the devil's after that image. Because that image changes lives when it's in the life of a believer that desires to bear the image of God, right? Uh, it involves the work of the Holy Spirit in believers' lives, conforming them to the image of Christ and empowering them to live a life that is pleasing to God. This process is a cooperative work between believers and other means. I, I'm in part, Holy Spirit, I'm cooperating. Since I'm doing a part two, let me just labor. This process is a cooperative work between believers and the Holy Spirit. As believers yield to God's will, rely on his strength, and actively pursue a life of obedience and holiness, they'll see transformation in life. The ultimate goal of sanctification is to reflect the character of Christ. My job as a husband is to reflect the character of Christ. As a father, reflect the character of Christ. As a man in this work, in this land, to reflect the, reflect the character of Christ, because that's the only, that's the highest form of character anyone can achieve. And to fulfill the purposes for which God has called and set apart believers. It is a journey of growth, maturity, and conformity to the image of Christ as believers strive to live in a manner that is pleasing to God and brings glory to his name. I want perpetual glory to be given to God's name through my name and through however I operate in this game called life. Now, Next, tomorrow we'll talk about growing in sanctification. The process of becoming more like Christ has a profound impact on every area of our lives. Here are some ways in which it affects various aspects of our existence. So tomorrow we'll break that down, Lord willing, unless he gives me something else, but I have it in my notes. So that means we'll we'll get to it and then we'll talk about, uh, uh, here are some key ways to cooperate with this process. And so uh, make sure you hit the bell, make sure you like, make sure you uh, subscribe so that you can get part two of this rich, rich uh, uh, Bible, stu Bible study, uh, time in God's word. And this, and this video is, 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 I think it's going to really help a lot of people. Now I do have something that I think will benefit a lot of you all. This won't benefit everyone, but I do believe it will benefit some of you all. There, uh, there are so many people right now who are living unfulfilled. How many of you right now feel right now unfulfilled?
How many of you right now feel like you lack clarity? You lack direction? How many of you right now says, I have no idea what my purpose is? Or how many of you say, hey, I am very familiar with my purpose, but I'm in a funk right now. I'm in some fears right now. And, and, I, and I'm not really as clear as I once was. Or if you're a person that says, hey, man, coach, I am fulfilling my purpose at a high level. But let me ask you a question, my friend. How's your wife doing? How's your husband doing? How's your children doing? There's a lot of people who are fulfilling their, their outside of the home purpose well, but they're not fulfilling their roles as a husband. Or if you're a person saying, hey, man, I just want to fulfill it at a high level. If this is you and you're like, man, I really want to get to a place where I feel secure in my purpose. I know my purpose. I'm thriving in my purpose. You want to be a person that says, man, I am very uh, uh, clear about all of my purposes as a husband, a wife, etc. And if you're a person that says, man, I want to get to a place where I am in position to one day hear my heavenly father say, well done, my good and faithful servant. If that's you, man, check out this challenge that we're doing starting Monday, how to find and fulfill your purpose in life. We're going to be coaching. I'm going to be in there coaching. I'm going to be in the trenches with you for five days, Monday through Friday. I'll go ahead and post the link right now in, in the chat box here. And I'll go ahead and post the link uh, um, uh, in the description box, all that good stuff. It is a five-day challenge. At the end of this challenge, you will be clearer than you've ever been before about your purpose. You will be inspired above measure of, of pursuing your and fulfilling your purpose. And you will be in a position where you can actually start fulfilling your purposes by the end of the week. And, and so if that's you and if that pertains to you, like, hey, coach, I'm in. Go to uh, mycoachjosh.com forward slash purpose uh, dash challenge. Uh, uh, Diana says, I'm in some fears. It has me a little stagnant. Yep. That challenge is for you, my friend, but that challenge is for you. I'm telling you, uh, I remember when I felt unfulfilled, I mean, 16, 17, 18 and 19, man, I was really lost. A lot of people don't know that I was really lost at those ages. I was picked on a lot. A lot of people, uh, uh, just, just a lot of stuff that I was going through. And, and I was very suicidal towards, uh, the middle, maybe 18, 17, and, and one day when I was in my dorm room at Oral Roberts University, I was looking out my window watching people going to class. I probably should have been in class too, but I was watching people going to class. And God said, if you don't fulfill your purpose, what will happen to them? Basically, he said, well, if you don't fulfill, you're a blank. And I love that he said blank because it allowed me to say, okay, man, I got to investigate what that blank is. And I've on the floor in tears, man. Like I've never, I've, I've been close to there, but I'm talking about the weight of the burden of my purpose hit me and I fell to the floor and I cried like a baby. And it was at that moment, I said, God, I will do whatever you need me to do. And the same guy that was stuttering in high school, the same guy who was uh, uh, introverted and socially awkward, that same person, God said, yo, I want you to start uh, uh, this thing called eternity. And then eternity turned into a, uh, 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 T-shirts and it turned into wristbands and it turned into a book called Unplugged and it turned into a, a concert on May 1st, 2008. Then it turned into a Bible study uh, to, uh, uh, August 30th, 2010 and the rest is history, my friend. And so I, and uh, throughout these last 14 years, I've accumulated some techniques. I've accumulated some experiences. I've accumulated some things that I think will help you too. Be 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years loving and thriving in your purpose going forward. And so if that story resonates with you or if anything of this resonates with you, make sure you go check out 
um, mycoachjosh.com forward slash purpose dash challenge. Uh, and then you'll be able to see the find and fulfill your purpose in life. And my friend, share this challenge with a lot of people. Let people know, hey, we all need to know the will of God for our lives. But off of that, we're going to move on. And a lot of these points also stem from my book, Multipurpose. I got to give respect to this book right here. I got to give respect to the Holy Spirit that wrote this book through me. This book, Multipurpose, will help you define and fulfill your purpose in life. This book right here is where the challenge stems from, where the mastermind stems from, which, which all my uh, communities. And you can also go to LifeWork if you want to really continue this process. But take the challenge first and then see, get your feet wet and see what God wants you to do next. But Multipurpose is a great book now available on Amazon right now. Let's get right into it. We got some questions. I got to serve you all. I gave you some value scripturally. Now I'm going to give you some value scripturally too, but experimentally and, and exegetically and to help you guys uh, find some um, some success in these areas. I am Valor says, hey, coach, why do I always feel the need to be alone? I don't like being in large groups. And for a while now, I haven't been wanting to be a part of any family or friend gatherings. It's nothing personal. I just want to be alone. I worry they'll take it personal or get offended. Anybody's great question. There are certain seasons where you must be alone, my friend. There are certain seasons, my friend, where being alone is important. You just got to make sure that being alone is not a form of idolatry, right? And make sure I look at your ladies. Why do I always feel the need to be alone? It could be based on your personality. I'm the same way. I'm introverted. Like, based, uh, I know the anointing makes you think something different i know you <laughs> but i'm i'm very introverted that's my wife i'll, I'll be you know i mean when my wife and i was dating man i will go to cookouts and i always ask how long and it was no not in the first my wife used to get into it because when we was dating because it, it came off offensive now i understand how it was offensive my wife grew up in a big family i grew up in a single parent home so for me being an introvert and having not body not that many people around it is what it is right and so i used to ask hey man can we bounce around about an hour and a half but her family function can last six, seven hours time, and it used to drain me. And it's because of how I'm wired. But the more that you begin to uh, uh, grow and mature, the more a little bit more bandwidth you have. But it could be based upon your personality, right? Uh, I don't like being in large groups, despite uh, contrary to popular belief. I don't. For me, I, I, when I'm on stage, people's like, "Man, that man!" But then when I, I'm ready to go get me a couple of wings and a waffle, I'm ready to go to the hotel. I'm ready to chill, right? So. It could be that maybe you've used this, been in a season where you overextended yourself, right? And now you're uh, 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 suspending yourself away from other people. That's okay. But you got to look at your life and say, okay, how how has this been a tendency in my life? Do Am I shutting people out? And if there is a season for you to be alone, communicate that with those who, who, who you want to be alone. Like you, you, while you're being alone, communicate with those people that you still want to be alongside you, right? And let them know, hey, in this season, you may not see me as much, but also pick and choose and say, okay, let me find some compromise here, especially as a single person. Cause what if you marry the opposite of you? You got to have some practice of, of kind of, uh, 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 extending, right? Uh, but people get offended if, they want more of you than you desire to give or they're supposed to have, or they get offended because you didn't communicate what you're doing. So to solve all that is to communicate, hey, don't take it personally. 
This has nothing to do to you. That's why I told my wife when I got married. I told my wife, because I remember my wife, when I used to, uh, <laughs> she didn't know much about my personality at the time. And, and I love darkness, not in lifestyle, but just in, in room, right? And I will oftentimes, I will go find a room in the house, be quiet as a mouse, cut the light off in the house. And my spouse would be like, are you, did I do something wrong? I didn't realize at the time that a closed door made her feel closed off. But the whole time it was me actually uh, closing myself off so I can build more energy to be able to create synergy with her. But I didn't communicate that. Therefore, it offended her. So my lack of communication created an unnecessary offense. But the more she got to know me, then she able to say, okay, he's not trying to be disconnected from me. He's not trying to close me off. This is him because he's out there pouring into so many people's lives. He's out there being pulled on by everyone. I can't go nowhere without. Listen, when I used to go and travel on against stuff, my food was always the first food cold. I couldn't just go out and just eat because people will, will be, hey, I got a question. I got a question. And my, my pancakes getting cold. My eggs cold. You want eggs get cold, eggs trash. Fries, fries get cold, fries trash. Thank God they was paying for it. So I was like, but, but still the fries look good. Anyway, communicate and see what happens from there. <laughs> Joe Davis says, what up, Coach Josh? Is Joe out of Fort Worth, Texas? What's up, family? How do I strengthen my vision and fast more often for God? Well, you don't want to move too fast to fasting because fasting has to be led by God, like most fast. When I'm talking intermittent fasting, like intermittent fasting, dietary fasting, you know, just use wisdom and be smart about it. But when it comes to fasting, you have to understand what fasting's intent is. Uh, maybe God leads us, God oftentimes leads us to fast so that we can be strengthened to last. He also leads us to fast so that old habits can pass. All right. But fasting is a is a is one of those techniques, spiritual disciplines when it comes to discipline, right? Has to be led by the Holy Spirit. If not, then then you'll fast wrong. Most people, most people, when they fast, they fast wrong. So they don't fast long. See what I'm saying? They fast wrong because their motives are wrong. They care more about getting an answer versus getting close to the answer so that everything around them can be answered, right? So check your motive on why you're fasting. Ask yourself, uh, have, do you have any equity? Do you have any experience with the Holy Spirit recently to even garner you to fast being led by him? Because a lot of people, they say they're being led by God, but they haven't talked to God. They say they're being led by the Holy Spirit, but they haven't really uh, communed or been familiar with him or fellowship with him, right? And so um, you don't want to fast more often. You want to fast as often as God wants you to. Hope to help. Jody Summer says, what does true love feel like for someone who has never experienced being in love? Difference between love and being in love. Do you know I told a student this today? <laughs> That's crazy. That means I told a student today there was a difference. She was asking me a question about love. And I was telling her there's a difference between uh, 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 love and being in love. Right now, let's break this down. What does true love feel like? True love comes from God. The enemy's ultimate objective is to cause a disconnect from our minds to feel the ever so feeling love of God. You can have, you can be so mentally warped that you can't even feel the love of God. You can be mentally warped and not feel the appreciation of God or the appreciation of others. You can be so mentally warped that you can't even truly discern how people love you around you. So if if we're if there's a mental disconnect about God or we view God in a way that God never was intended to be viewed, 
then uh, we'll never understand what true love is. And love will be based upon a feeling and not facts. First off, love is more factual than emotional. Love is more logical than emotional. You're not going to always feel love for someone, but you can always be factually uh, uh, founded on why you love a person. It, when my wife and I used to argue all the time, but there were times I didn't love her, quote unquote. I didn't feel love for her, but I factually had to rewind over my mind to let me know that this was a confirmed woman in my life. And it boosted the feeling of love because I reread the factual agreements on based upon why I'm in love with her. So when you understand love is logical, more logical than emotional, then you can take time to really examine the love you have. So true love is true love. True love is truth love. True love is factual love, right? So what does true love feel like for someone who has never experienced being in love? Now, if you, you will never know unless you are being a human being in the love of God or allowing God to love you. That's why I love the word of God in 1 John, 2 John, 1 of them Johns. It says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test every spirit to see if it's far from God. Beloved is one of those words that's very important because I am already by basically being who I am, beloved by God. God loves me. Like, like, see, for me, I can, I can, I can speak boldly about this because I have a daughter, right? And and my daughter can grab my beard. My, I mean, one time I hold my daughter, my daughter can screw up all over my beard, pulling my beard, gets frustrated with me. But there is nothing that can separate me from my love from that girl. Nothing, 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 nothing. That even makes me be like, man, that's how much you love me, God. So now my love is even more emboldened. Now, for you, you may be single, you may not have no kids. How do you contract God's love? You're breathing. You're alive. Look back over your life, all those accidents you avoided, all those near-death experiences, all those times that you were supernaturally provided for when you was when you pulled your pockets out of your pockets and nothing but lint fell out, not even a penny fell out your pocket, and God still blessed you, Right? You've experienced love, but you haven't mentally taken the time to reflect on his goodness and his love. That's why the Bible says the goodness of God draws us to repentance. So I have to reflect on how good God has been because then it puts me in a, in a place where I repent and then God can pop out all the dents and I can be a, a, a better vehicle for him. So what is the difference between being between love and being in love? Great question. Love is brotherly love. I got love for everyone, but I'm in love with one woman. I love people. Women, men, children, love people. But I'm in love. In love is a deeper form of love. Like, in love is like, yo, I'm in this to win this. I'm in this. Ain't nothing can take me out of this. I'm in love. In love is more contractional. Uh, in love is more uh, 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 real. It's more raw. It's more commitment-based. Love is just saying, I got love for people, but there's boundaries to it. There's more boundaries with the love than it is being in love. So you got to be very careful who you're being in love in because being in love is an atmosphere. It's a climate. Being in love with someone means that I'm in this mentally fixed, emotionally committed, physically attached love with this person that's within the climate of God's love that's perfecting all the fears out of us so that we can always stay near to us so that our love don't rust. I got very poetic and metaphoric 
uh, metaphoric with that, but I, I pray it helped you, gave you some insight, family. So let's keep going. Maybe one or two more, I got to go. I've been preaching there. I, 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 when my hands get like this, I've been preaching. Diana Franklin says, uh, Diana of Joshua, always giving great relationship tips, very practical. God gets the glory. And if you if you are a couple right now, you want to be you want to be a part of a community where you're getting coached by myself and some aspects by my wife. If you are dating, courting, uh, engaged or early um, marriage couple and you need help with some relationship stuff, join my community today. I'm make sure I post that link in there as well. All that's on the description box, all that good stuff. I think it'll be a blessing to you all. It's my life work communities. Get in there today because starting in June, we're going to start our masterminds. We're going to start our different things there. Uh, but there's a lot of forms in there. There's a couple of forms in there to get you kind of get started. You and your husband. Oh, you could be a single person. I got a single community as well. Check it out. Oh, uh, let's see what I got. Oh, we got a lot of people to say I desire. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, Jonas says, I want to live life to the fullest. Amen. And be more present. Man, you sound like my book, Multipurpose. I think too much about the future. How to have a more adventurous, attractive, and interesting life. And how to be more charismatic, cool, a cool man. Great question. I want to live a life to the fullest and be more present. Great question. The beautiful, the great uh, um, desire there. But let's 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 kind of uh, add some layers to it, add some color to it. Um, the Bible says. Jesus says he'll uh, he'll give you life and life more abundantly. Life. What is life? Life is uh, uh, abundance. Life is full of joy, abundant in peace, abundant in love, abundant in patience, abundance, abundance, abundance. Right. And in order to live life to the fullest, I got to make sure I'm full of him. See, I cannot live life to my fullest externally. If I haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to fill me to the full internally, right? What does that mean? We there, The Holy Spirit is not being poured ounce by ounce or gallon by gallon over the period of time of our salvation. We have the fullness of the Godhead in us. We have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in us. But have we allowed the Holy Spirit to fill? It's a difference to have the full of a thing and to be filled of the full of the thing, right? Meaning this, that, that what areas of your life have you got 14, 15 locks on? Holy Spirit ain't gonna just gonna go in there. Holy Spirit's gonna say, when you gonna let me in there? A lot of us, we, and I wrote this in my book, Multipurposes, right here. I talked about the different rooms. I'm gonna find that page. I talked about how the different rooms that we have to let the Holy Spirit fill. Let me find, there, is that it? Yes, I found it. No, did I find it? Yeah. I don't know if y'all can see that. Give me one second. Let me roll, turn this down a little bit. There we go. You see those rooms? I talk about in the book how many rooms have we yet to have the Holy Spirit to fill. We have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, but we can't live out to the fullest until we allow the Holy Spirit to fill all of us, fill all of us. And a lot of us, we have allowed the Holy Spirit into that abandonment room, into that lust room, into that arrogance room. We have allowed him to fill that because I can't really live fatherhood to the fullest if I got daddy issues. I can't live husbandhood to the fullest <clears throat> if I got fears, I can't live uh, a child of God to the fullest if I haven't allowed the uh, air, certain areas in my heart that's contradicted to me living to the fullest. And if I haven't allowed him to fulfill this, how can I live to the fullest if I haven't allowed him to fill this, right? And so if you want to live life to the fullest, you got to allow the Holy Spirit to fill every area. 
And Holy Spirit is going to be patient. He's going to be a gentleman. He ain't just going to open these doors. You have to, through the goodness of God, that's why the Holy Spirit is always pointing you to Christ, always pointing you to the goodness in your life so that it will prompt repentance and it will prompt confession, which will then open for deliverance, which will then open to filling it. Y'all say you want to be more present. Then in order to be more present, you got to customize your presence. Man, I talk about this. Get the book multi-purpose, man. I talk about how to be more present. I talk about how to uh, be filled by the Holy Spirit. All that great stuff. But I'm going to give you some value now from the book. Like, I have to customize my presence. My presence at the school, it fills the hallways, even if I'm in one room. I remember I had a student when I was walking out of school one day with my backpack on. And I had my keys in my hand. She's like, Mr. Ezra, where are you going? I mean, she literally stopped in the trap. Mr. Ezra, where are you going? I'm just going to the car. Oh, Mr. Ezra, please don't leave just in case I might need you. There's kids who be like, man, you, why are you? I come back after taking two days off for some, some, some self-care. <laughs> they be like, why you wasn't here? Mr. Ezra, where was you, man? It's the vibe. It's the presence. In my presence is a fullness of something. In your presence is a fullness of something. What is it? In God's presence, a fullness of joy. But what's in the fullness of your presence? So if you want to be more present, you got to say, am I a present? And, and is my presence full of, of things that people love to be close to? You see, I think too much about the future. I understand that. Don't think too much about the future because you can't, listen, you can't, like the future is the future, fam. The present is all you have. The past is past. The future hasn't came. The presence is what you have. You got to think in the now. The more you think now, the more you will be on the brink of success in the future. Now, how to have a more adventurous, attractive, interesting life? Well, get to know yourself now. No, don't don't focus too much. Don't don't that don't mean you don't take a glimpse of the future. You took a glimpse. Oh, okay, I want that kind of life. Come back in the present and say, you know what, God, this is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You don't want to be in tomorrow or in being yesterday that you missed today. How many presents of today is filling up our invisible houses? We got so many days that we haven't unwrapped, that we haven't unboxed, that we haven't seen what was in that day. And so how to be more adventurous? Say, you know what? I'm going to take three deep breaths and I'm going to look around and ask God, where do you want me to be? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to live my life? And you'll be surprised how interesting you become, how attractive you become because you're present. You can't be attractive in a present if you're not there. Hope that. And how to be more charismatic. Cool. Listen, you don't, don't want to be more charismatic. I think the more you the more you become centered in who you really are in Christ, the more, the more, the more, the more brighter you become. The, the, you become a little bit more, you become a little bit more of who you need to be. I'm gonna do a more a different another video on that because that's a good those are good points to really process. But check out my book, Multi-Purpose, man. I think it's available now on Amazon. I think I think this book will be a blessing to you for it talks about all the stuff that you're talking about now. All right, so oh, let me get myself up, get this off the screen. Okay. Um, two more whole spirits had two more, and I gotta go. Uh, I felt it in my spirit. Two more. All right. Um Michelle Davis says, I feel like it's more to life than what I'm living now. There is, I'm telling you, it's more to life. But if you don't know more about your life, you won't know what's more to your life. Like the more of your life you get to know in God, like purpose is, and purpose is all around you. 
like, like, like I, to every day is a blessing to me. Every day is enjoyable to me. And I want you to feel that same way. And I'm telling you, John, Michelle Davis, I, check out that challenge, my friend. Check out that challenge. And I promise you by Friday, you will feel more of life and you'll be excited to pursue your purpose at a high level. You're so welcome, Diana. Azia says, Coach, honestly, I just need a, a oh, also, if you need one on one coach, I'm doing that too. Go to more website. Azia says, Coach, honestly, I'm truly in need of strength and counsel. I'm trying to stand firm and not getting an abortion, but I'm succumbing to pressure. Listen, the fruit of the womb is, a, is, is God's reward. Like, abort, aborting who? Let me encourage you. You have to understand, hey, man. You got to unplug yourself from the condemnation of the sin, because if you don't unplug yourself from the, if you don't uh, uproot yourself from the condemnation of the sin that causes the conception, then you're going to create an abortion, and they're going to double pound, double, uh, uh, double, uh, uh, double the weight of the sin, and that's not something you can win. And what I'm trying to st- listen, that baby, listen, man, oh man, like, bro, like holding my daughter is some of the best experience like god could heal you through having this child god can heal certain areas through this child and how many times how many people aborted the pathway by how many laughters that god laughters in medicine how many more how many laughs were you are you going to miss out if you if you abort this child how many, how many uh, 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 stress relieving hugs you gonna miss out if you abort this child? Like, like God could be sending healing through this child, no matter how the baby was dealt or how, no matter how the baby was done. God can still turn around for your good. And who's pressuring you? Everybody, it's crazy that people who who survived are the people that's trying to hurt babies. I'm trying to stand firm and not getting an abortion, but I'm succumb. Don't succumb to the pressure. Have that child, man. Have that child. Because I promise you, look at that baby. She look like you. He look like you. And you hold that baby, man. You're going to feel, I'm telling you from experience, you'll feel overwhelming joy. But talk, like, like email me. Let me know what's going on. Give me some more details. I don't want your business to be all on here. But let's pray for our sister, Azia Marie. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that the peace the confirmational peace that surpasses all understanding is hitting her heart right now. Lord, the tears is flowing from her eyes right now. The pressure that's on her shoulders, I command you right now through the authority of Jesus Christ to loose her now. Lift off for her right now in Jesus' name. And I command the joy of the Lord to be overly uh, uh, full in her life. Father, I think that she'll find the, 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 the purity and the sanctity of life to cause it to allow this child to live, that it is not her body, for there, for there's there's no connection between her and the baby as far as blood and life. That's the daddy's blood. So that baby has his own life in of itself, and it deserves to live. Father, I thank you, Lord, that one day I'll get a message from her with a picture saying, "Here's my baby girl," and I believe right now, Father, that she'll walk in peace now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let me know um, how that prayer. Uh, helped you. Brianna, uh, hey, sis, I'm praying for you. We all struggle with sin, but God is greater and will help you overcome this mental battle. He loves you. and will God... If you're going through this kind of battle, what kind of baby you going to birth? Ooh, if you're going through this kind of battle, what kind of baby are you going to birth? Oh my gosh.
Casavilla says, and it's my last, and I'll do Marina's last question. I'm done. Coach Josh, what is true worship? Jesus says, my father is looking for true worshipers, worshipers who will worship me in spirit and in truth. Worship has been perverted. Worship has been perverted. Worship has been downgraded to 5% of what it really is. Modern day people's perception of worship is making full of a 5%. 5% of worship is physical expression. Worship songs, worship services, worship concerts, worship band, worship teams. We have downgraded worship to music. We've downgraded worship to emotionalism. We've downgraded worship to what happens between 10 and 1230 on Sundays or what happens in our cars or what happens as these as these devilish demonic tour bands travel the country worshiping and use a Satan. And I get off that soapbox and I go down a little bit later. Worship starts from the spirit. The Bible says he looking for worship who will worship me, worship him in spirit. And in truth, true worship is when I have the truth. True worship is when I worship my spirit. Now, what's your spirit? With three-part beings. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. In your spirit right now is your talents, is your giftings, is your personality, is the real you. Do you know it doesn't matter where you go in life? You will always be a good drawer. You'll always be a good singer. You'll always be good at, you'll always be talented, you'll always be gifted, you always have that personality. No matter where I go, the real Josh, the spirit Josh, that's who I am. Right now, I don't preach, this is this how the spirit of me preaches, right? Your soul houses your thoughts, emotions, ideas, perceptions, worldviews, all that kind of stuff. Most worship is done from the soulish realm and the body realm, but it's rarely ever done through the spirit. When my spirit man has been enlightened, and my spirit man is submitted to the spirit of God, then I begin to be worship. Worship is worship. Worship is what I do with my life. It's my life's work. It's how I live. It's the character I have. It's, the, it's what I choose to think on. My, like, the, my worship from my spirit man that's, that's illuminated by the spirit of God permeates through the soul. So I start thinking on things that are above. I start feeling how I'm supposed to feel. I will do all these things. And then... My hands were raised. It's crazy. When, when you worship in spirit and truth, you don't need a song to praise God. You don't need a song to cry out. You don't need a song. Because he, there's a song in your heart already. True worship is what you do with your life. Demons don't care what you what you worship and how you worship on Sundays. They, they look at how you worship Monday through Saturday. And most of us are worshiping the devil, then we are worshiping God. Because look at the fruit of your life. Who eats from the fruit of your life? Demons or, or the divine? Who benefits? And so if I'm not willing to live by the truth, if I'm not willing to adhere to the truth, then how can I worship him in spirit and truth? The devil always flips things, perverts things, and makes things a small percentage of what it was intent, intended. And so worship, don't even, don't even call it worship songs. Because if it ain't the soundtrack of your life, if your life ain't living in, in, in a fragrance of worship, then my friend, you ain't worshiping anything good or divine. 
Marina says, one time I was weighed down and was praying to God out and out of nowhere. I felt tingly in peace that lasted for hours. Was that the Holy Spirit? Um, that could be an effect of the cause, but that because that effect can be felt through other causes. Let me give you an example. I remember one time when I was a young man, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, I was in a service, worship. I mean, worship, and I just talked about worship, but the service was just, man, and I felt the same tingling feelings. I felt this overwhelming peace, all right? And I said, this must be the Holy Ghost. Then I began to categorize this feeling into a glass and say, this must be the only way I feel this. Then one day, I was so excited about going to a buffet. The same tingling feelings when I was right there getting my plate. You know, you in a long line. You see that fried chicken. They just, they just dumped the fried chicken out. And you see all that good food. And I was getting my plate off the little container thing. And I was about to go get my own piece of chicken. I felt the same tingling. There are many causes that can cause an effect. So what I don't want to do is that you, you always associate the tingling feelings of the Holy Spirit. It could just be a, another cause of excitement, dopamine, chemical imbalance, uh, chemical uh, releasing because, because of what your mind reflected on, because of what your spirit actually felt and in the present Holy Spirit. But what we don't want to do is to make all those feelings to be you think it's the Holy Spirit. Right. Because when you start doing that, then you'll call open yourself up for confusion. Right. And, and secondly, you got to be very, very, very careful with that. What is that uh, that you don't want to say, well, I don't feel God because I don't feel God. Like feeling God. That's what most people get discouraged and they walk with God because I don't feel God. I don't feel him. Do you know most of the feelings you feel in church? Is based upon frequencies, tones, and keys, and and the manipulation of sound, and manipulation of of congregants coming together, and and the hands going up, high five this, high five that, all that stuff like that. It's creating a, a electric energy in the room that gives off a byproduct of God being in the room, but God ain't in the room. So all I gotta do is hit a couple of keys. All I gotta do is get you some shout, and all of a sudden you feel God, quote unquote. You feel familiar feelings of God, but God ain't even in the building. If God ain't in the building, there ain't no yielding. If God's in the building, people yielding. <laughs> people, holiness, holy are you, God, holy. Like when, when God's in the building, there's some yielding, okay? And so you have to, uh, you're not gonna always feel God. So I don't want you to be in a place where I gotta feel God, I don't feel God. It's factual. If you live by feeling, you easily deceive. It's all about your factual connection to God and knowing that he's always there, whether you feel. Right now, before I cut that fan on, there was air in this room. I cut the fan on. Now I feel the air in this room, but the air never left the room. Same as with God. Love y'all. Thank y'all so much for trusting me with your time. Man, I went 58 minutes. I ain't going to be able to go on Instagram today, but, most, but maybe God wanted me to serve y'all today. Make sure you check out my latest book, Multi-Purpose, How to Find and Fulfill Your Purposes in Life. And if you want to take your purpose to the next level, if you want to find your purpose, if you want to be clear about your purpose, if you want to no longer be uncertain, you no longer want to uh, uh, feel unfulfilled, or you want to make sure you fulfill every purpose in life, check out uh, uh, the Find and Fulfill Your Purpose uh, Challenge. Uh, we'll start Monday. May 29th, we start Monday. Go to the website now, mycoachjosh.com forward slash, uh, what is it? Forward slash, um, man, coaching. I think it's, uh, yeah, forward slash purpose dash coaching. Or just go to my website, mycoachjosh.com, click challenges, and you'll see that challenge there. Get in now. Let's get to work. I'll be doing this challenge, and I have other challenges I'll be doing over the summer. Um, and so stay in tune, stay close. If you want to check out our communities and you want to be a part of our life work community, 
If you if you're a single a couple, I have group coaching sessions throughout the summer. You need one-on-one coaching, go to my website as well and hit one-on-one coaching under the coaching tab and then and then let me know your budget and I would love to coach you this summer. But if you want to be a part of it and I'm telling group coaching is amazing, man. The synergy and group coaching is amazing. And if you want to be a part of that and you want to really grow with others and have that accountability, check out LifeWork as well. Um, but if you need one-on-one coaching, hey, summer sessions are open. Summer sessions will be open June. My last day at work is the uh, Thursday or Friday. A summer session starts the 29th. So not only does the uh, the challenge start next week, summer sessions start next week, and they fill up, y'all. They fill up. The one-on-one sessions fill up. So if you if you listen, if you need to talk to me, you want to talk to me one-on-one, or you want to be a part of groups, because you're going to talk to me a lot in the group session. You're going to talk to me a lot in the communities and the challenges. I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. Go talk to me a lot. But if you need a little bit more privacy, you need to talk to me one-on-one, and you need some extra coaching, go to my website, mycoachjosh.com, and see how I can help you. Also, I have a ton of other resources I think will be a blessing to you. We got merch. Well done. Hey, that's the substratum of this of this of these courses. I, I'm, I'm shifting into purpose, everything purpose, everything purpose. And well done is the merch. Get your shirts, get your hoodies. Let's start a movement called Well Done. Getting people positioned to hear and hear and, and li- be in position to one day listen to God say. Well done, my good and faithful servant. If you're struggling with soul ties and strongholds and you want to find the purpose of freedom, they go to where purpose again. Check out my book, The Purpose of Freedom. Great research there. If you are struggling with, hey, man, I don't know if this guy's for me or not. I don't know if this girl's for me or not. I don't know if it's a counterfeit. Because anything that's a counterfeit will cause you to be in fits, right? And you want to have more clarity on what a counterfeit is and a counterpart is, and you want to make sure you in God's will. This book, I'm telling you, great resource here. Um, that's my website. If you're struggling with your feelings, you want to find facts behind your feelings and you want to better have a control over your feelings. This book, Facts or Feelings, will have you in control of your feelings so quick, man. You'll be right back to feeling your purpose again. Get that book there. If you want to learn how to hold things and to how to become whole so you can hold things well, and you mean you're not really carrying your marriage well, you're not really carrying your children well, you're not even carrying yourself well, you're not even carrying the hope of God in you well, and you want to hold things well. This book, The Holding Journal, will be a blessing to you. If you're just like, hey man, I want to better understand the purpose of my singleness. Because if you don't know the purpose of a thing, you can't maximize a thing. This book right here will help you better understand the purpose of your singleness, and this thing has sparked the movement, man. Great. If you're in a relationship right now, or if you're single, you're like, hey man, I need prep and dating because right now I gotta date my wife forever. <laughs> I dating is just basically uh, pick a date for us to date, you know, get to know each other, talk, communicate, all that kind of stuff. I still gotta date her, I still gotta talk to her, I gotta start conversation. But if you want to make sure make sure that you're on the same word in the same sentence, in the same paragraph, on the same page, be on the same page can still be bad. You guys can be on the same. Have you ever been in a class? And, and, and do this activity. Have your kids or have somebody, your husband, someone, y'all read a different paragraph on the same page and see how that sounds. But dating prep has you ask the right questions to make sure there's no question this person is meant for you, right? And it also has great questions for you to start questioning yourself and say, are you even dateable? And it positions you to date the love of life forever. Let's keep going. If you're struggling with a spiritual warfare, you want to better understand uh, uh, how to war, this book, World War Me, will be a great, great resource for you. It will show you and teach you about the whole armor of God. If you have young people that you don't want to be distracted and you want them to really find their purpose in life early, this book, as he says, as is for the students I serve, will be a great resource for a young person. This book was birthed out of my time working in the public school system. Great resource for there. 
and um, merch, all that good stuff. I love you all. I said, we still got another comment here. Kid, what's going on? She always waves at the end, but I'm glad you was listening. That's why I stay rhyming. Anyway, I got to go. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. I'll catch y'all next time. Love y'all. Peace.